The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm absolutely delighted to invite into the show today Dr. Bill Tiller and Susie Miller, who are involved in a wonderful collaboration working with the children diagnosed with autism and working with Dr. Bill Tiller's ability to create intention through a very special device that he has developed. I'm delighted to have you both with me today. Thank you for joining me on the show. Great pleasure to be here and to join you and Susie. Thanks for having us, Peter. And Susie, you've been on the show once before, and we talked then about uh, autism and and autistic children and the diagnosis of that and and all the different elements that go along with that, and you work with the uh, children and also with their parents. So perhaps you could just... Remind us just in the opening here of, of what you are actually doing with the children and their families. Well, at this point, I'm primarily working with um, the family members, uh, not so much with the children directly. I have created a certification process, and so over the years, I just had a lot of parents and professionals who were interested in being able to connect with the children um, you know, in more in more subtle ways, so through telepathy and other venues like that. So basically what happened is I was able to create a certification process so that parents, professionals could connect with their children, um, you know, in, in deeper ways, hear directly from them. So that's primarily my focus at this point, um, aside from the autism intention experiment. So could you just... Uh give our listeners a little bit of an insight into what your understanding of of what autism actually is and and the children and what you've discovered about them? Yeah, um, my my history with the kids goes back to 1999 and through a lot of different interactions with those children, I've learned that they are, you know, they're not broken. Um, They have challenges being in the physical condition but they have challenges being in the physical condition simply because their vibrational frequency or who they are at the essence is at a much higher frequency than what has than what's here and so the challenge for them is you know how do you integrate a, a very clear um 
high-frequency awareness into a dense kind of human condition. And the short answer to that is they're not going to do that. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to support us in really raising our consciousness, raising our awareness and our frequency so that we can see them more for who they are and so that we can see ourselves for who we are. So um, it's been it's been a quite a journey because my background, as you know, Peter, is as a speech language pathologist. So I came from, you know, that very medical educational kind of background, and yet, you know, since 1999, it, the focus has really been more on, I guess you would call the spirit, you know, of these kids. You know, who are they? Why have they come? You know, what are they attempting to support us in? Um, and how can we make the most out of that opportunity, both for ourselves and for them? Well, thank you. So, Bill, I'm, just, I'm interested to know why or you, you believed that uh, the intention experiments that you have been doing um, could work and, or help the, uh, the children diagnosed with autism. Could you tell us a bit about the background of how this all came about? Okay, it, it began uh, a long time ago. Uh, in parallel with the orthodox science I was doing at Stanford with my uh, students and Ph.D. students. And uh, basically I became aware of phenomena uh, which would have been in the category of uh, parapsychology uh, in those days that was outside, far outside the realm of orthodox science. And I came to the conclusion that it was much more valuable than the work that I was doing with my orthodox students at Stanford. Uh, but I needed to keep my day job. So uh, I did that, and uh, my wife and I agreed that I would start a, outside the university a parallel uh, study of... I'll call them higher dimensional energies outside of distance time, outside of electromagnetism, outside of quantum mechanics and relativity theory, those sorts of things. The language is difficult because um, in terms of the things that Susie was talking about, um, the frequency is very different than what, what one thinks, and the energy is quite different than electromagnetism. Um, so with that aside, then, what I, I came to have the opportunity in uh, about 1997, that was the sort of after the first uh, 20 years or just about 20 years of my work uh, in psychoenergetic science, and I wrote my first book called Science and Human Transformation, Subtle Energies, Intentionality, and Consciousness. These were the, was the first of four that were outside of my orthodox science. Um, by then, I had learned to accept subtle energies. The first 19 years or so was proving to myself that they were, it was a real phenomena and uh, needed to be seriously studied. Um, by then, I'd also learned how to imprint an intention into a little black box, a little electronic box. Um, and that particular little electronic box could be imprinted 
uh, from a deep meditative state by, we used four practitioners at that time, four people that were very well developed um, as daily meditators and could hold the meditative stance for an hour or hours uh, long. And we, in this process, um, appeared to make contact with unseen intelligence of a very high level of beingness and abilities. And in terms of the imprinting process, we humans were a very necessary part uh, of doing that. But as far as the heavy lifting was concerned, it was really done by the unseen, as, as I think of it. So it's important that one recognize that. Although the human biofield is such that if a person is very well in or self-managed, they can create this kind of, some of these phenomena, but the effect size that we are able to generate is huge compared to uh, normal folk. Now, our first, what we decided to take on in the beginning was to really pick up on something that is attributed to Descartes in the early 1600s, in essence about a century after the break with the uh, theocratic uh, priests of the day and the beginning of science and ultimately the priests of our day. Uh, the, The hangover from the theocratic age was still deeply embedded in humanity even a century later. And so Descartes proposed that no human qualities of consciousness, intention, emotion, mind, or spirit can significantly influence a well-designed target experiment in physical reality. And with this assumption, you could then separate what is religion from what is science. And so it was very important in those days. The difficulty is that that has become the unconscious uh, affirmation of today's science community, orthodox science community, and today's orthodox medicine community. So once I got some serious funding, I decided to seriously test this hypothesis. And since I had already learned how to imprint an intention into a little electronic device um, and put it to work to to condition a space uh, for a particular target experiment. That was what I used for the intention part of it. So there were four experiments. Quickly, the first one was to take uh, water at a certain pH, and uh, the intention was to increase the pH by one full pH unit, that's a factor of 10 in hydrogen ion concentration, Concentration with no chemical additions. Um, so that's a very significant effect. Second experiment was to take a um, similar kind of water and decrease the intention by one full pH unit, uh, which again is another factor of 10. In this point in time, it's an increase in uh, hydrogen ion concentration instead of a decrease, but again, with no chemical additions. This sort of thing had never been done before. 
So we're talking about a factor of 10, a factor of 100, probably when you're talking about these two things back-to-back. Um, and our measurement accuracy was of the order of one one-hundredth of a pH unit. So very high signal-to-noise ratio was being asked for. And we were remarkably successful with those two experiments. The third experiment was to take a, uh, an in vitro experiment with a liver enzyme, an elk, a uh, biological system, and the intention was to condition the space to our normal, the, the higher level of reality where we go to when we're doing the work. Um, we condition the space, and then we expose the liver enzyme mixed with one-to-one ratio of water um, for 30 minutes in this conditioned space and then see how much we've been able to increase the chemical activity, just like increasing the chemical strength. And we found we were able to increase the uh, chemical activity of this liver enzyme by 30%, very big, and with p-values better than 0.001. Again, very robust. The fourth was a living system. We took fruit fly larvae and exposed them for their entire lifetime to this higher conditioned space. Um, And the intention, the first part of the intention was to increase the energy storage molecule, ATP, to the chemical precursor, ADP. That is, we were asking to go from two phosphorus atoms in the molecule to three phosphorus atoms in the molecule. And because that would make the fruit fly larvae more physically fit, they should have a decreased development time to the adult fly stage, which is usually about 28 days. And we found that we were able to increase the ATP to ADP ratio by 10 to 15% with p-values better than 0.001, and we were able to reduce the larval development time to the adult fly stage by 20 to 25%, and again with p-values better than 0.001. So, so, Bill, actually, we're coming up to our first break. I'm absolutely fascinated. I, I was uh, trained as a chemistry teacher, so I, just, I okay. just find this absolutely fascinating. But we need to come to our first break, and we'll continue with Bill and with Susie after the break. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews 
Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Some reminders to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, and all of the information there, newsletters and radio shows and my own work, and also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, uh, where we have our Ambassadors of Light program with uh, every two weeks, um, where I bring forward uh, information of what is happening currently in the world today, and we're having a fascinating discussion with Bill Tiller and Susie Miller on the show today, and Bill, just before the break, you were giving us a rundown of the intention experiments that have been successful. Right. So just, just finish that off. These and, and basically in 2003, it became a Ph.D. Through, uh, thesis for a lady by the name of Cindy Reed. She got a Doctor of uh, Theology for that Ph.D. And the, the intention in that case was to broadcast to, well, basically 260 in the control site and 260 in a treatment site uh, of individuals who were suffering from depression and anxiety. And we broadcast just having their names and addresses uh, continuously through a computer, in the one hand in a conditioned space from our device, and the other hand an unconditioned space uh, from an unimprinted device. And nothing happened with the control, but we were very successful <clears throat> and reducing depression and anxiety in these people who were spread all over Pennsylvania and even in Guelph, Canada, from about 1,500 miles away in uh, Missouri. Um, and uh, p-values at the eight-month level was better than 0.001 for both the state trait uh, analysis testing system and the Zung uh, testing system. So it was very robustly successful. Great. The second experiment we did was broadcasting from uh, our laboratory in Payson, Arizona, to a particular room in a particular house on a particular corner in Berlin, uh, Germany. And uh, there we were, again, very successful. They had the same equipment set up there as we had in our laboratory in Payson. We, the imprint statement was to condition the space of our uh, laboratory in Payson and simultaneously broadcast the result to this particular laboratory in Germany. And we tracked their measured data, which was measuring the pH as a function of time, and our measured data was using the same kind of pH system, uh, measuring it as a function of time. And although the, they started out differently um, at time zero, they quickly 
became parallel to each other and propagated. So at something like the one-year level uh, or a little less, it was robustly successful. And that's what gave me the courage to decide to join with Susie to do the experiment with the autistic children. And so I decided what I thought was going on with them or not going on with them and imprinted a particular device um, and uh, passed it by them and their collective consciousness. Uh, They agreed with it largely, wanted a few changes in words, but not much. And uh, and then we imprinted it on December the 3rd um, to broadcast. And on December the 4th, we got the first feedback from New Zealand of great results initially with their young child and the parent itself. And I'll turn it over to Susie to answer what happened. Well, thanks, Bill. So perhaps, Susie, you could just give us a little bit of background as to, uh, in terms of how you set this up with the children and their families first and then talk about some of the results to come. Sure. Um, we have 44 families in the research project, and they are from all over the world. I believe the furthest is um, who Bill was just referring to in New Zealand. And with these 44 families, there is... Um, a, a, a child involved that has a either a medical or an educational diagnosis of autism, and that was one of the prerequisites. The diagnosis needed to be there, and each one of the parents, um, in some cases it's one parent participating, in some t- cases two, but each one of the parents is filling out, they filled out some baseline information we had two protocols, one that Bill was referring to, which is the Zong, um, which is a, it's a depression scale, basically. And the other is the ATEC, which is a developmental scale. And basically, they provided us with some baseline information regarding the children and are providing monthly um, follow-up information regarding um, how the experiment is going for them. The experiment... Um, is set up so that the intention statement that Bill and his team um, imprinted into the device is being broadcast into these various homes. And the broadcasting of that intention is literally changing the space. So we're creating a space where um, these intentions basically can be met, but in a very general way, the intention, the children wanted two intentions. They wanted one intention for themselves, which was basically the integration, um, their integration into their bio body suits, this time space reality, according to their soul's purpose. So nobody can push anybody to, to integrate. It's according to their soul's purpose. And then the other um, request that they had was that this that an intention be broadcast to the parent as well, so that the parent could um, kind of release some of the stress to to de-stress the parent, so that they could um, actually you know from my vantage point anyway, so that they could actually see when these children do show up. You know, some it's one thing for a child to 
show up in a new way um, in an environment, it's another thing for somebody to be able to see them and recognize that. So that was the twofold um, intention. And as Bill said, we started this in December, December 3rd, and we've had um, a couple rounds now of information coming back. And really, for me, I guess the, that first round of information that came back was the most, it was, well, it was not the most significant, but it was very significant to me because I expected communication to be one of the last things to show up, and yet it was one of the first things. So in your experience with, with your autistic children, that communication is one of the, the last things to shift, but in fact, in this case, it was the first. Yeah. Let me jump in and just make sure you realize that we are running a year-long program, and we have to re-imprint the device on a three-month basis because it basically leaks its key ingredient. Uh, we have no way to shield it at this point, so actually around the 2nd to the 5th of March, we will re-imprint. And, Bill, in, in the simplest possible terms, can you, can you explain or describe how, how you imprint? Oh, it's a very long process, but in, <laughs> but in essence, okay. four of us sit around a tabletop. We put the device on the tabletop. We plug it into a uh, wall socket. The electrical energy used by the device is something like a, a millionth of a watt, so it's very low power, and uh, we go into a deep meditative state and uh, connect with each other, and we connect with the unseen intelligence. And I, I read the statement. The statement of all of us is, is held for a period of time until it feels as if it's cooked. And uh, then I say, so be it, thy will be done. And <laughs> that's, that's the end of the imprint part. And then there's a part designed to seal the system so that it doesn't, the primary imprint does not uh, wastefully leak away. And then the families an hour, receive, hour and a half per session. And then the families receive that imprint, that broadcast on a regular basis. Yes, basically the the uh, it's the room conditioning that's important. The uh, so we we just uh, we we scroll the names and addresses of the individuals continuously through a computer so that with 44 uh, children and 44 parents, so that's, um, they're two different computers, they're two different imprint statements, they're two different sheds, one for each of them. And so roughly uh, every minute uh, a name comes up and it's being broadcast to for a minute and then it goes to the next name, et cetera, et cetera. So it's continuously done. It'll be continuously done for a year. We just wow. ump up and we amp up the uh, ingredients um, by re-imprinting on a three-month cycle because basically this property change is not equilibrium thermodynamics. It's a metastable thermodynamic state where you can change the reality because you change the parameters of the thermodynamics. Um, but because there's a leakage process, that we have not been able to control, then uh, we have to re-imprint to um, replenish that leakage ingredient so that we again generate a, a higher level 
of metastable thermodynamic states. So we try to, try to stay at the peak level, roughly. Wow, that's, it's, it's fascinating. So, Susie, back to you. So that, that, that first, we've only got a couple of minutes before the next break, but uh, that first result you got on the next day, just tell us about that. Yeah, um, again, you know, as a speech-language pathologist, I kind of thought that communication would be one of the last things that would show up. But on the very first day that we started the intention experiment, we did have um, a family from New Zealand who contacted us to let us know that their daughter was speaking for the first time. Um, And since that time, we have had other individuals who have contacted us through their Zung and ATEC reporting, um, suggesting that they, you know, children have gone from kind of general basic kinds of communication to more elaborate communication. Some children have gone from nonverbal communication to um, some type of alternative communication. Um, so it's, it's just interesting to me, and I think significant, that this is what's showing up first, um, that these children are, are very much interested in that communication. They're very much interested in that kind of connection. Well, we're coming up to our second break, and we'll continue with this absolutely fascinating story on our return. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I hope the uh, listeners of the show today are beginning to understand the massive significance of the work that is being done here with uh, Bill Tiller and Susie Miller and, and the implications for the future in terms of the direction in which this will go. I have absolutely no doubt about that. And before we get into that, let's, let's just come back to Susie. And Susie, I just wanted to ask you, what sort of reflections you've had back from the parents after these first three months of the uh, of the work? Um, yeah. So as I was saying, the the communication piece is very much significant. We're also getting some feedback from the parents that there, you know, the intention around the de-stressing absolutely seems to be happening as well. Um, generally, and if we look across those three months so far. We're noticing parents who are just able to, um, a lot of parents noticing things about their children that they haven't noticed before. But they're sleeping. Um, go ahead. Do they're they? sleeping a lot. Yeah. And a lot of, um, a lot of uh, things that people have not noticed about their children before, as well as just feeling more relaxed in the situation. So, you know, anybody who, has a child diagnosed with autism or works with children diagnosed with autism knows that, you know, it can be a very stressful situation because there are so many unknown factors. But what we're noticing is that, you know, these parents are indeed feeling a little bit more comfortable with their children, comfortable with themselves in interacting with their children. So those were all, you know, wonderful um, experiences as well. There also seems to be, you know, just a just a general fluctuation, you know, month month one, month two, um, and we're kind of finding that we're gonna we're finding a a nice pattern maybe to that now. As I looked just looked at the information that came in for month three, so there seems to be a very natural ebb and flow to this integration process. Um, and both with the parents making adjustments and the children making adjustments, you know, back and forth. Um, it seems to be a very almost natural and organic kind of unfolding to the whole process. Now, Susie, you, you have uh, telepathic communication with the, some of the children I know, so what insights are you getting from them at that level of connection? Yeah, it's interesting. We actually, we have a couple children in the process who are um, able to to verbally communicate and or um, communicate through other means of communication and tell us kind of how they're experiencing things. And they are very much noticing that they're able to feel more present in their physical bodies. They're noticing their surroundings more. They feel as if they're more part of um, the physical experience. So we're getting that kind of feedback. And then on a telepathic level, you know, I'm working both with the, from a telepathic point of view, with the collective consciousness of this group so that I can provide some feedback. 
And then also with individual children who I have private sessions with. And I think that one of the most significant things to me um, in this last three months has been the fact that in the past when telepathic information was provided, um, that information was, you know, it, it could be interesting information, it could be helpful information, but the children now seem to be giving much more specific information about what can work for them, um, what's, what's necessary for their next steps. And I guess what I would say is in the past that telepathic communication has been there, but the kids have never been able to be as, as crystal clear as I've noticed them being in the last three months. And that's had a pretty, you know, during those private sessions, it's had a pretty significant impact on what's available, you know, between parent and child and also what's available regarding the integration of the child. And in terms of, of, of the, the children and, and being able to integrate more into their, their physical form, as it were, in this life, what, what are their needs, actually? What do they need to be able to do that and feel comfortable? You know, it's, they've always said at a very, um, this is a basic statement, but they say the frequency of love. You know, I've heard that since 1999, that these children would not fully show up um, to to what we would consider a, a full integration until the frequency was the frequency of love um, within the human consciousness. And so we can create little pockets of that. We can create scenarios where um, family units get to that that nice coherent frequency and something can occur because it does happen. So they're very much needing that frequency of love and um, with, won't go into too much detail with that because I know we don't have that much time, but it's obviously not the frequency of love and what we consider love, you know, the Valentine's Day love are quite different. And so they're really looking at an energetic template or an energetic pattern that's necessary for them to be able to be um, fully present. Can I, can I interject just for a moment? I'd love you to be in that moment, actually, yeah. The uh, aspect of love is a very significant part of the intention statement for both the children and for the parents. I thought it was. (laughs) Carry on. Go ahead, Bill. Do you want want to talk about that? Oh, okay. Because I think they that very remarkably. And, and of course, uh, in my modeling of the universe, that's... It's what it is a key part of what we receive from the higher dimensions of the universe mm-hmm. and uh, or can receive, and in this case we do receive and so that was remarkably present in this particular intention statement, and during our experience of imprinting these intention statements, and we've done maybe a hundred in the past uh, fifteen years. Um, it was absolutely glorious <laughs> to experience the our unseen companions from that dimension, those domains of the universe. Yeah. Anyway, back to and you. When you and when you say an unseen companion, do you know who that companion is in terms of? A, no, a they don't use names. 
Yeah, okay. And I also wanted to ask you, Bill, uh, the significance of having four people in, in no, the experiment. No, it's not that significant. We've done it with six. We've done it with two. And the two happen to be my wife and myself. Yes. Uh, and so we do four, the Gene and I, and the two people working in my laboratory that are presently unpaid. <laughs> so the four of us do it. And we will probably do that again in a couple of weeks to to be on the three three month cycle. So what, that, what? Sorry, go on, Susie. I was just the only other thing I wanted to add, Peter, is that um, you know I, I love that 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 this showed up as they were in printing in the way that it did because what it what it really did as far as the information that I've been receiving for a really long time is. It really proved to me that that these children are playing in these higher realms all the time. You know, just because an individual does not appear to be, you know, connected to this time-space reality does not mean that they're not working and being purposeful and being intentional in other dimensional realms or in other spaces. And so, you know, the fact that this really showed up so significantly for them as they were imprinting, I just loved because, you know, the kids have been talking about their role with humanity for quite some time now, and, and it seemed to to just uh, bleed through beautifully right into the Can I interject again? Um, you may, Bill, yeah. The, the thing that this says and what is so important because our... Orthodox science colleagues and our Orthodox medical colleagues are terribly stuck in a distance time only reference frame for understanding nature. So what they've done is great stuff, but woefully inadequate to deal with the unfolding universe and the epoch that is ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Back to you, Susie. No, actually, Bill, I was going to ask you another question, and that was... Uh, because these children um, are able to travel dimensionally and be in different and de- be in different time and space, is it possible that other children who are not part of the experiment could actually be benefiting from this intention? Oh yes, Jean. Uh, pardon me, Susie will tell you some of the families have several autistic children, but only one of them is listed on the broadcast. But it's going into the home, and everything in the home is feeling it. I was thinking more about people not connected with the experiment at all who can um, tap into it. We don't seem to have seen those kinds of effects. Um, okay. Although we've done experiments in uh, uh, laboratories where several people share the laboratory, and in that case we confine the experiment to a small Faraday cage of radius maybe a foot and height of maybe a foot, um, and, and it's workable and, and it doesn't screw up other people's experiments. <laughs> so it's a question of what is the degree of the uh, imprint statement? What do, what do you put in it? Right, yeah, yeah. We're actually uh, just about to come up to our final break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask uh, you about what the next developments are, because obviously this is the beginning of a, what should be a phenomenal uh, future, not only with the children of autism, but also uh, many, many imp- uh, applications and implications for for the future. So we'll we'll take our final break now, and we'll return with Susie Miller and Dr. Bill Tiller after this break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. 
7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porozhik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. If you were looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light. Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And we have a wonderful show today with Dr. Bill Tiller and Susie Miller talking about the collaboration between the children of autism and the intention experiments that uh, Bill has been setting up over the last few years and uh, tremendous implications uh, from this discussion today. So, Susie, uh, just tell us what's what's the next uh, step in the plan, what's happening next? Well, this particular experiment, um, as Bill said, will last a year, but we are interested in starting a new one beginning in July, so we'll continue to watch the documentation that comes in for this group and um, look forward to starting another one in July. So if, if anybody wants to get involved in that as a, as a family involvement or just interested um, in the whole notion of the experiments that are taking place, how can they uh, best contact you or, or build in terms of your the information, websites, and so on? Yeah, the, um, 
The autism intention experiment is actually listed on my website, which is suzymiller.com, and it's S-U-Z-Y Miller.com, and you can find information about upcoming upcoming experiments there. Um, also, um, Dr. Tiller has um, tiller.org, www.tiller.org, and some of the white papers that he has on his website are, you know, especially relevant as far as precursor information to what's going on within the autism intention experiment. At the moment, there are uh, 28 free white papers, so people can uh, access them, print out copies for themselves, etc., so can share the word. As you can imagine, it's very hard to get these things published in orthodox science because they either don't believe it or don't want to believe it or don't let it get published in orthodox science. So <laughs> in any event, this is the way I've tried to bypass that. Um, there is about 150 publications in this general area that, again, are listed on my white paper. That one's white paper 13. The white paper 16 is the one on the depression and anxiety, for example. And it's just a brief review of Cindy's thesis. And, by the way, uh, Cindy Reed is uh, helping us out by handling these monthly information pieces so we can eventually... Uh, have it, things in a format that we can write papers on the uh, on the first year's experiments. Now, Bill, I, I've mentioned a couple of times on the show this has, I believe, has huge implications for the future and the future of science. And you know way more than I do about this. So, w- what is your own view of of how this is going to impact science in the future? Uh, it will change it totally. Um, I think that we will be able to do amazing things. Um, um, aside from saving most countries from going broke due to medicine, uh, when you can broadcast to hundreds, thousands, maybe even eventually millions of people uh, with beneficial uh, broadcasts, um, the, it will change things in conventional science. It will open the doors to realms of nature where phenomena occur, where things are going faster than the velocity of light. Uh, we, we find present-day quantum mechanics, which is a distance-time-only uh, reference frame. It's a second-order partial differential equation in distance-time as far as the, uh, uh, the mathematics aspect. So it means it can't touch, it can't begin to touch the higher consciousness aspects of humans. Uh, these aspects of emotion and mind and spirit. Um, it can deal with the meat of our bodies, but only the meat. That's as far as it can go. So, And it, and it really provides the foundation for what the f- 150 years of parapsychology that orthodox science has swept under the rug. Uh, but it can make, make all kinds of benefits to generate what I call an information medicine. Uh, which will replace uh, or provide alternate pathways for healing of people. So, but going to things like changing the, uh, mm, let's say something like, uh, uh, energy conversion uh, of 
of light into electrical signals so you can turn it into electricity. Uh, we have a at the moment the engineering is good and we have uh, some reasonable percentage yields, um, maybe about 20 if we're lucky. But the possibility, since this work shows that we're dealing with at least a duplex space in which you can imprint the, uh, the character you want in the, the other conjugate subspace, um, that means you have a potentially of doubling or even increasing the kind of yield that you would have in energy conversion. So there are many. I mean, that's just the beginning. I mean, the issues of getting into magnetic domains, getting into magnetic monopole phenomena, getting into things of nature that we hardly suspect. And in the long run, being able to travel and build devices that can be superluminal. The Einstein limitation of nothing can go as fast as the velocity of light uh, and faster um, from our modeling is no longer uh, a limitation. So, so really involved in, in conscious co-creation here. Yes, we're talking about using consciousness and intention to change the properties of materials, any property you can imagine, so far as I know. And I, I mean, we haven't done everything. We've had, <laughs> we had some funding for three years, and we made a lot of progress in three years, and we've been limping along since. But we're, we're, we're making progress, even with the limp. Oh, Bill, you're doing phenomenal work. So, Susie, I want to give you the chance. We're coming up to the last couple of minutes of the show, actually. I just wanted to give you a chance to speak, because I know, I know obviously, with the work that you've been doing over many years, there's, there's been lots of frustrations with the, the system and, and not really understanding what's going on. And So how, how has this experiment and the way it's going impacted you personally? Well, I mean, it just... It's amazing to me because the children have told me for years to be looking for Bill Tiller. I didn't know <laughs> I was looking for Bill Tiller. And you found him. <laughs> but I found him, yeah, and he found me, which I'm very grateful for. Me too, and, am I. And I think one of the things that's so exciting to me about this whole process is, one, I've heard from the children for a long time that there would come a history that there would be the ability to support their integration and that um, in that time that that it would actually be able to be quote unquote proven you know if you will that that was um, that they were not who we thought they were to begin with and so for me working with these children for this long and working with them in those dimensional realms as well as in the physical realms to come to a place where I'm watching that these children are going to be able to be here and be more present here. I mean, I truly believe that when they show up, we're blessed because, you know, not only do we get to see who they are, but we get to see who we really are as well. Um, it's Consciousness will change because of it, and that's amazingly exciting for me. Well, we're at the end of our time, and I really want to thank you both, Bill and Susie, for joining me today. I'm, I'm actually really excited by the work that you're doing, and I think, as you say, Bill, there's tremendous ramifications to come. Absolutely. So it's a great so adventure. It's going to be absolutely fantastic when yeah, I, I the Orthodox community gets off the pot. <laughs> 
So www.suzymiller.com and www.tiller.org are the two uh, websites for you to enjoy. If you want to be part of the future work with uh, Susie and Bill, which I would highly recommend, and uh, I'm going to have to close the show right now. Next week, my guest is Jean Adrienne, and she's going to be talking about personal empowerment through some power tools that she has developed uh, in her most recent book. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I certainly have. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.